0: This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 129, Comic Reviews for the week of Wednesday, December the 18th. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans. This is episode 129, the Comic Reviews episode for Wednesday, December the 18th. I'm your host, Adam Chapman. Thank you for joining us for the show. Uh, This is our, I guess, our reviews episode before Christmas. Uh... As I record this, it is actually uh, Friday, December the 20th. Uh, once again, I am recording from the basement of my workplace, which means that there's a little bit of an echo in the background, so I apologize that the audio fidelity isn't as uh, high, or at least to the same quality standards that we usu- excuse me, usually have the episode uh, going towards. Um, usually I record from my basement, it's better quality, but unfortunately I just don't have the time at the moment to record from my residence, so now I've taken uh, to the ether... <laughs> Uh, to my workplace to record, so uh, this is our second episode recording uh, from the basement here, and uh, today we're looking at a bunch of comics that came out on the 18th. As I I said, I'm uh, recording this on Friday the 20th, but this will probably go up either the 20, I don't know, I'm thinking maybe the 23rd or 24th, it all depends on when I'm able to record and upload episode 128, which by the time you listen to this will already be up. Let's jump into this week's books. First off, we have All New X-Men number 20. Uh, Just as a precursor, this is going to be... So just like every episode, spoilers ahoy. Uh, Also, this is going to be a much faster-paced episode just because I don't have a lot of time today available. Um, So I'm looking at eight books, but relatively quick. So there's not going to be as much in the way of synopsis this time around, more about general impressions of the book. Um, All New X-Men number 20 is the first title we're looking at. I gave it a 6 out of 10... Um, I like the Bendis writing for the most part. I mean, it kind of tiptoes around what actually happened to X-23, which if you don't know what happened to X-23 in Avengers Arena, it's a bit of a pain in the ass because they don't actually tell you. They kind of allude to it. But if you don't know, you're not going to get to find out, which is kind of stupid. Uh, The artwork here is, I believe, a little split. You have artwork by Brandon Peterson and Mahmoud Azrar. Uh, Did not like the Peterson artwork at all. Uh, The Azrar stuff was all right. Um, but the Peterson stuff... The, the more you get in the book... like You're, you're enjoying the stuff by Asvar... For the most part... I mean, There are some things that he's not necessarily that great at... And then you hit this certain uh, midpoint... I forget the exact page... But suddenly it's Peterson... And suddenly the artwork is very awkward... And not nearly as good... And looks like an awkward Pacheco at times... Um, the idea here is that X-23 is now... Out of Avengers Arena... She's back with the X-Men... She's been saved by the old new X-Men... Um, and she comes face to face with the uh, the original x-men and including uh, particularly cyclops as he tries to kind of calm her down um again it's there's not a lot here that really explains where she's been and how she got out of what happened in avengers arena because avengers arena everyone was basically found but somehow i guess she wasn't i there are some question marks which are unfortunate because i don't think there should be question marks at this point um it's, you know, I think the art just really bugged me on the second half. Uh, going back to the Purifiers, um, I know Bendis hasn't really written anything with them yet, but I don't care enough for them. And then the, the big reveal, I guess, at the end here, I didn't realize how much I was going to look forward to the trilogy in Grey, but in comparison to this, I'm really looking forward to it. I just found the idea of finding X-23 is fine, and the weird idea that Cyclops has attracted to her is a little weird, but all right, whatever. I'll go with that. It's more the... The latter half, or they're going to go up against the Purifiers, who, again, I'm kind of done with as villains, because they just keep throwing him out there. Now it's Striker's son, and he has powers of some kind. I didn't really care for that. So I gave it a six. Uh, next up is Batman and Two-Face, number 26. Ah, uh, this, this was all over the place, too. I mean, it had some interesting ideas. I'm going to give it a six, though. Um, I don't think it really capitalized on any of those ideas. Uh, you have... Uh, you know kind of a childhood friend of Bruce Wayne he is basically you know she's in his custody more or less um she's kind of a bitch about it and she wants to to get out wants to you know protect herself from a two-face um I just this felt like a rare misfire for both Gleason and Tomasi um the artwork by Gleason was surprisingly not like not anywhere near his best I thought his the, the faces were really off um This this felt rushed. Um, This wasn't his best work. And then Tomasi, I found the script a little lacking here as well. I I liked how Bruce himself was written for the most part, but it it, it just felt like there was a lot of talking, but not necessarily good talking. And by the end, I was just kind of happy the issue was over, which is not how I usually feel about Batman and... uh, which I guess is its official title now, Batman and... blank. Um, Usually I like the book a lot more, but not this time. No, not at all. So I gave it a 6. Next up is... Harley Quinn number one. Oh, I gave this a three out of ten. I don't even know what I gave the last issue. This is garbage. I'm, I'm being nice because, technically speaking, there is some, you know, skill somewhere in here. I just don't know where it is. Uh, it's written by Amanda Connor and Jimmy Palmiotti. It's uh, artwork by Chad Harden. It's very clear that this. They're basically trying to make Harley Quinn the new Deadpool uh, for DC. Um, that being said, I just I found it so boring. I, I don't. I don't like... If they're going to write Carla this way, I would at least like her to be in her traditional costume as opposed to her weird slutty horror costume from Suicide Squad. Uh, I don't like the costume. I don't like how she's being ridden all that much. I like her when she's, you know, crazy, but there's like a... There's something in there, a hidden intelligence or something here. She just seems like an idiot uh, traveling with her, what, her beaver. Like, that's really... Um, uh, and she's inherited, like she now has this place in Coney Island. This is terrible. This is not a good book. I'll be, it's gonna, it's gonna sell extremely well. I'm sure it's gonna sell ganglusters because it's Harley Quinn. It's a number one. So she's a, a beloved character from the Batman animated series. Um, it's a number one issue. I mean, that right there is enough to get a lot of people buying it. Uh, people like Palmiotti and Amanda Connor. Um, so those, are, those are all reasons why people are gonna read this. Unfortunately, it's trash. Uh, so I gave it a 3. Next up is Scarlet Spider, number 25, the last issue. And I thought this was kind of an uh, anticlimactic issue. I mean, you, you start, and it's starting off in a completely different spot than we saw in the last issue. Um, sorry, I should say. It's written by Christopher Yost, artwork by David Balion. Um, I, I just found, like, it starts in, like, Monterey, Mexico, and race is there and then you have Kane shows up and then there's no discussion of what's happened so you're like four or five I think what, six pages in or maybe five pages in and then you get to this is what happened like a week ago in Texas um, when the, the the hotel that they were staying in kind of blew up and then you get kind of these sporadic flashbacks to that moment I just found it kind of removed Sense of urgency to the entire thing because I think it would have been more interesting if we got to see the explosion, got to see the immediate aftermath, and like the desperation of the fight. And then we fu- and then he survives instead of already knowing he survives and kind of having this weird road trip with it recently and then getting this flashback. It just felt like the w- wrong way to write it. Um, the artwork was pretty good for the most part. Again, I, I found that there wasn't necessarily a, a lot of good uh wrap up to the storylines for Scarlet Spider, he just kind of leaves and because he's a monster um but then the idea that he's not totally a monster maybe there's something in him and maybe he could still be a hero in some way and then i guess the lot la- at uh, the very end there's this red water i don't know what that's supposed to be and then i guess we're going to see a new warriors because that's where kane's story kind of continues mm-hmm. along with the race slaves. so we'll see how that goes i'm going to give but i'm going to give it a six out of ten um some strong ideas but the narrative wasn't as strong in terms of how it was written and the order of which the uh, narrative was kind of unspooled to the reader I think it could have been a lot better um, the artwork again a little inconsistent at times and I, I really miss Stegman Stegman was so good for this book and then ever since he left it's just been uh, sad that he's not on it anymore uh, then we had Secret Avengers uh, or really S.H.I.E.L.D. Uh, so it's How to Make a Mockingbird Part 2 and this is issue 13 of Secret Avengers it's written by Nick Spencer and Alice Coat or Cott with artwork by Geis um uh, I should say which Geiss. it's Butch Geis uh, I really really like this book I mean you got a lot of different things going on here you have the Taskmaster and uh, his uh, apprentice Todd which is actually freaking hilarious uh, you have Modoc going to Maria Hill and he's turning traitor to AIM um there's the idea that there's like there's a there's traitors involved um not just uh, of Modoc, but also someone else. Uh, they're Todd, it turns out to be someone very different than we expected. Uh, we have a little bit of interaction with, uh, with Bruce Banner and Iron Patriot, kind of end up getting uh, kind of screwed or very injured as a result of uh, Forsman's plans. Uh, I'm really still enjoying this book. I'm interested to see how they're going to kind of end it and then lead into the next volume. Uh, the artwork by Geist is not the strongest this book has ever seen, that, but that being said, it was still pretty good, enjoyable stuff. Um, I, I loved it. I gave it a 9 out of 10. Next up is Superior Spider-Man, number 24. This was pretty good. I gave it—I believe they I gave it an 8. Uh, 8.5, sorry. Uh, I really like this issue probably more than the other issues in this arc so far. So this is, I guess, arc uh, chapter 3 of 4, in Darkest Hours. Uh, we're building up to issue 25 which is the next issue I'm really excited for it now Uh, it's written by Slot and Gage with our work by Humberto Ramos Um, sorry yeah, Um, it's really strong I mean obviously it's The idea behind it is just, hey, it's Superior Venom, let's go from there. But it actually ends up becoming much more than that, because we're seeing a lot of storylines all come to a head all at once, which I did not see coming. I thought this would be more insulated as to just to kind of be a Venom thing, but instead it's going to affect everything about what's going on in the Superior book. Um, So Flash Thompson's trying to convince the Venom Center to go back to him, and it's not working. Uh, Cardiac tries to fight against Superior Venom, but gets taken out pretty easily. And uh, Superior Venom kind of takes off and uh, he wants to prove himself publicly that he's better and that he can control this symbiote. Uh, in the middle of this, you have... Um, <laughs> you think it's the grizzly, but it's the, the Bruin. Um, and uh, the hobgoblin shows up for his cut and then takes off, but it's actually the Green Goblin stealing from the Hobgoblin, which is an interesting concept. Um, we learn that uh, Flash needs the symbiote to live now, which isn't surprising. I mean, This is always the way it goes with symbiotes. Uh, eventually, you need them to live. So, I mean, as a reader, that makes sense. Um, from there, we flash back to Roderick Kingsley's safe house, and he's really pissed off because someone's ripping off all the people he's given franchises out to, and he wants, to, and he's like, you guys better get the money and give it to me. And it's interesting to kind of see him dealing with kind of his current business falling apart, once again, thanks to the Green Goblin. Uh, you have Peter heading home, and she's all worried about Peter because he doesn't want to hurt him to be angry at Aunt May. Uh, we flash back to the Goblin underworld and uh, it looks like they are infecting Carly Cooper with some kind of uh, agent. Who knows what that's going to do to him? Uh, Mary Jane's trying to wonder what's going on, so she goes to um, pay a visit on uh, on May and Jay. And then uh, just before she gets there, though, Peter Parker shows up and he starts screaming at at May, which I thought was actually really interesting, just because. It's Doc Ock doing it because he's pissed off about how May has treated his girlfriend. And May is out of character, so I'm glad that they're kind of talking about that. But also, she's kind of upset at Peter and that Peter's lying to her. And uh, she has to forbid Spider Peter from working with Spider-Man. And he almost loses it. And then MJ shows up and's like, you need to talk to me now. And uh, she's like, you know, you're acting like a completely different person. He then takes off and is like, I can do anything. And she's obviously freaked out because he's got the symbiote, and she has a bad history with Venom. If, if the prior continuity is at least similar to what it used to be, and uh, so she's already freaked out, and he's like, "I'm taking off," and then uh, she's screaming, and then into the apartment of May and Jay shows Captain Watanabe, who's you know from following May, uh, sorry Mary Jane, and now she wants the Mary Jane to come down to the station. So there's a lot of shit going down all at once, and then we flash to. Um, You know, all these villains are trying to get you know more funds so they can pay off the Hobgoblin, and Superior Venom shows up, um, which is pretty cool. And then you have Mary Jane trying to figure out what's going on. She gets one call, and she calls uh, the Avengers and says, "You know, you gotta you gotta go after Spider Man. That he's been controlled by the Venom symbiote." So there is so much shit packed in this one issue, and yet it feels a little bit more organic in this issue. And the artwork by Ramos is spectacular, or Superior, I should say. So I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Uh, next up is probably my favorite book of the week, Superior Spider-Man Team-Up Number 8. Um, I'm, I'm loving this book in general. I'm going to be really sad when Chris Yost is done. Um, I didn't even expect this to be a strong issue. I mean, you have Namor on the cover, and it's kind of ridiculous looking. Um, but the actual issue is fantastic. Uh, our book by Will Slinny or Slanny. I don't think I've ever seen his artwork before, but it's really good. I like The Colors by Antonio Fabella. Uh, Yost, again, on writing. And it's all about Doc Ock basically having a crisis of faith because of what he almost did in the last issue when he tried to co- you know, control the Sinister Six and almost caused the death of everyone in New York. And now he's kind of real- realizing that it, because of him, Spider-Man was also almost responsible for the destruction of New York City and not Doc Ock. Um, sorry, not Spider-Man, Dr. Octopus. And it's all, and he revisits the spot where you know the Doctor Octopus body died, remembering that he said he was better, and him kind of realizing that he has to turn himself in, he has to pay for his crimes, which is a real, not a boat face, but it's a it's a crisis of faith, basically what we're seeing for Superior Spider-Man, and out of nowhere, uh, he gets embroiled in. Uh, a conflict between Wakanda assassins and Namor because over in New Avengers there's been a bit of a war going on between uh, T'Challa's people and um, and Namor and Spider-Man kind of gets involved in this and he's kind of a dick about it but he ends up getting involved in this fight and he has, actually has a really fascinating heart-to-heart between uh, Spider-Man and uh, and Namor and it kind of makes him realize you know who he is and who he can be and it's going to be enough and how he is better he's stronger and he even gets to punch Namor at one point which is kind of cool um so this is this is a really nice kind of issue to kind of show that you know he he does have a crisis of faith but um actually I'm trying to think I think uh this issue is the uh, let's see someone else has become the editor on this book I don't know uh regardless I think I, don't, I think we still have an issue or two left with uh with Yost, but in case we don't, this is a great spot to leave it, plus the artwork looks fantastic, I love the way the new Spider-Man costume looks, Um, looks really spectacular, or again, superior, so I gave it an eight and a half, um, sorry, a nine and a half, I really love this issue, it was extremely well done, one of the best issues I read all week, and then the last issue I have to talk about today, so we're only about 16 minutes, so this is a quick one, is uh, X-Men number 8 digging the storyline. I'm not always a huge fan of the Dodsons, but they're doing a good job here. Uh, Brian Wood is continuing to kill it. Uh, I feel like that he's kind of building on the first few issues of this book with the Archaea idea. You have Typhoid Mary uh, stealing Archaea, the last bit of Archaea, from the X-Men. Uh, there's some great stuff with Psylocke and, uh, and Rachel Summers having a bit of a, a back and forth. Um, so that's pretty interesting I like the the parts of sublime and what we're seeing with him uh, how he's kind of being uh, he was he's under the control of Typhoon of Mary and Yuriko at this point uh, I like this quite a lot um, it, at times the artwork doesn't even look anything like the Dodsons which is not a bad thing um, it looks a little bit different like they're amp- changing their style a little bit uh, I dig this um, not the strongest issue so far but I think it's worthy of a seven maybe 7.5 so anyways that's, uh, that's all the books this week now looking at all the stuff that I didn't get a chance to touch is a lot uh, this week's releases included Animal Man 26 uh, The Authority hardcover volume 2 Batman 66 six, number 6 Batman Beyond Universe 5 Birds of Prey number 26 Birds of Prey trade paperback volume 3 Clash of Daggers Fables trade paperback 19 Snow White Forever Evil Rose Rebellion number 3 Text I didn't get a chance to read that uh, or even find the issue, actually. A Furio Firestorm, Trade Paperback Volume 3, Takeover, Green Lantern New Guardians 26, Justice League of America's Vibe, Number 10, Red Hood and the Outlaws 26, Showcase Presents Strange Adventures, Trade Paperback Volume 2, Show, uh, Showgirl, <laughs> Supergirl 26, Superman vs. Mongol, Trade Paperback, Titan, Teen Titans Go, Number 1, Teen Titans, Trade Paperback Volume 3, Death of the Family, uh, Trinity of Sin, Pandora, Number 6, which is part of Forever Evil. Vertigo Essentials, 100 Bullets, number one. Waken, part one, number one. Uh, Wonder Woman, 26. East of Blast, number eight. Saga, number 17. Amazing Spider-Man, several hundred point four, and 4 and um, Astonishing X-Men Trade Paperback, volume 12, unmasked. Avengers Assemble, 22.INH. Had no interest in reading that after the crappy INH tie-ins last week. Um, so if anyone reads it and it's good, please let me know because I'll, I'll give it a shot. But if it's not entertaining, then no thanks. Cataclysm Multiple men number two, Daredevil number thirty four, Deadpool number twenty one, Deadpool Classic, Trade Paperback Volume Nine. You know, there's so many classic volumes that get stopped like Thunderbolts after number three and Alpha Flight after finally getting third volume. But Deadpool is up to nine. I mean, fuck, come on. I mean I get people love Deadpool. There's a market for Deadpool, but there's a lot of other classic lines I'd rather have than getting nine trades of Deadpool. Anyway, uh Deadpool, Trade Paperback Volume 3, Good, Bad and Ugly, Fantastic Four Fifteen, FF15, 15, Indestructible Hulk 17. INH. Once again, Tom, if you read if you're listening to this and you read this issue and it's good and entertaining, please let me know and I will read it. Otherwise, I'm gonna stay away from anything with INH uh, as the suffix. Uh, Long Shot saves Marvel Universe number four, Marvel Masterworks, Atlas Era, Strange Tales, Hardcover Volume 6, uh, Marvel Masterwork, Golden Age, Marvel Comics, Trade Paperback Volume 2, Powers Bureau trade paperback uh, volume one undercover. Spider Man gathering a fire trade paperback I cannot wait to read this. I ordered mine through Amazon, so I still have to think two or three weeks to wait. Um, it's capping off an era of Spider Man that is usually um, uh, overlooked and not highly regarded, but I think that's. I think it's mostly because a lot of people did, just didn't read that period. It's between the Clone Saga and the John Byrne re- revamp um, with Peter Parker and uh, Amazing Spider-Man number one uh, in 1998. So it's not exactly the best company in terms of when it takes place, but I always loved that period. It's when I really started buying Amazing Spider-Man on a regular basis. I got issued, I think, 419 for my birthday, and I just kept going from there, and I loved it. And I haven't I've never missed, well, up until 700.1.2.3.4.5 I haven't missed an Amazing Spider-Man issue since. Um, so, I mean, I'm excited for Spider-Man Gathering of Five, even though it's not the greatest story. I'm hoping we get more filled out in that era soon. Uh, Thor God of Thunder 16 Thunderbolt's Annual 2013, number 1 Uncanny Avengers, number 15 Shit, I didn't even realize that came out. I cannot wait to read that. Oh well, I'm a little sad I don't have that read. Uncanny X-Force 15, Venom, Trade Paperback, Land where Killers Dwell, X-Factor, Trade Paperback, Volume 21, X End of X-Factor. I finally have all 21 volumes once I get this. That being said, I kind of wish I would waited and gotten the complete collection which are coming out now. would have been more cost effective. But I do have 21 volumes of X-Factor on my shelf. And finally, Young Avengers 14. So thank you for joining me for this episode. Again, this will probably be up on either the uh, 23rd or 24th of December. So, Merry Christmas, everybody. Thank you for downloading the episode. Uh, stay tuned for in the next few days, we'll have episode 130. No idea what that's going to be. Uh, probably episode 132 might be a Talking Hero Clicks episode with Nathan Struck, but at this point it's hard to tell because the holidays make everything go crazy, especially for scheduling. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you want to get in touch with me, you can do so at comic shenanigans at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, uh, post in the HC Realm's threads, or you can also rate and review us on iTunes. In fact, please, if you only do one of those things, do the latter. I'd really appreciate it. Anyways, once again, this is Adam Chapman signing off, and uh, I will uh, see you next Well, not see you. I will... Uh, See you next time. Bye bye. As a quick addendum, I did just read Uncanny Avengers uh, issue number fifteen. It's quite—it's really good. I gave it a nine out of ten. McNiven and uh, it's very un y if that makes any sense. It's still McNiven, but it looks a little bit different and has a different uh, sensibility to it. Uh, I've recommended doing a fantastic job as it continues this epic arc. Uh, extremely well done. Extremely enjoyable. Not as good as the last issue, but still quite quite strong a nine out of ten for sure very enjoyable and that is your uh your little extra review here thank you and a merry christmas everyone bye